Therapy can be life-changing and wonderful, and it can also be, frankly, not all that helpful. As a therapist for over 12 years who now runs a whole team of amazing clinicians, I am far from anti-therapy, but I also became a certified coach because I didn't want to be limited in the kind of work I can do and who I can support. I'm Valerie Martin, aka Bad Bitch Therapist, and in this podcast, we're going to talk about the shit your therapist may not tell you, because real talk, not all therapists are good at their jobs, but also a lot of therapy training is rigid and outdated, and your therapist might not work in a way that actually challenges you. Without compassionate challenging, your growth will be limited. So if you're with me, let's bust out of the traditional psychotherapy box and talk about wellness and high performance in ways that will make an even bigger impact in your life. Let's fucking go. All welcome back to another episode and the first episode under the new name, Shit Your Therapist Won't Tell You. Unlike some of my previous podcast rebrands, this is not changing the actual content of the pod, but more just the name, the cover art, just a little fresh rebrand that I'm super jazzed about, but the content will stay pretty much the same, and as always, the goal is to get even more awesome, even more valuable with every episode. So let's jump right in. Recently, what I've been watching is The X-Files. So because I sort of forgot that my favorite hosts of my favorite previous podcast, which is no longer airing, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, I forgot that they were relaunching a new pod. It's like I go through these big phases where I'm basically not listening to anything just for fun and it's like all personal development kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I forgot Kristen and Jenny had launched this new podcast back in March where they're doing a rewatch episode by episode of The X-Files. Also, for those of you who are not familiar with Kristen why can't I? Kristen Russo and Jenny Owen Youngs. They used to be married. They were married the first few seasons of the Buffering podcast. They are now exes and they are both remarried. And it's wonderful just getting to see that example of like mom and dad still work together and it's fabulous. So I just started the X-E-X Files podcast. I'm currently three episodes in to the show and the podcast, and I think they're at like episode 17 or 18, so I just have a little catching up to do, and then I'll just have to watch and listen to one per week, so I'll be able to get back to some of my other shows, but for a few weeks, it'll be all X-Files all the time. Recently, I have been reading a book called Life's Golden Ticket. I just started this one last night. It's by Brendan Burchard, who is a super famous bajillionaire life coach person that doesn't really do him justice, but he's at the top of his game, I should say. Works with some of the highest performing people in every field in the world, in addition to doing a ton of training, educating, service work, you know, unpaid things. The, the event that I just went to, he worked his tail off speaking from the stage for hours every day. And the event was like 150 bucks. So he does make a lot of money, but he also really has a heart of service. And this book is a fictional book. I've not read this one of his before, and I'm really enjoying it so far. So yeah, and I was just at Brendan's event last week, which is why I have this renewed, like, give me all of the Brendan Bouchard material. It's so inspiring. I am going to go through his certified high-performance coach training next month, and I can't wait to bring you guys some more material from that and to bring high-performance coaching to my clients. 
And then recently, I am loving, and by recently, I mean like the last 48 hours, not even, being at home. <laughs> I had three plane trips in a row, three weeks back to back, and then I've got two in late October as well. So I'm just like hunkering down for a few weeks, like, you know, bed rotting, as Emerson would say, our guest on the pod today. <laughs> I need to do some bed rotting for real. But yes, enjoying kind of being back in my little nest, hanging out with the kitties and my husband, Chris. One more thing before I introduce our guest today is that I, as this is airing, as this episode is launching, if you're listening to it in more or less real time, the doors to my membership, Lit AF, are open, reopen, and there are some special bonuses and discounts that will be going away at midnight on October 9th, midnight central time. I won't go into all the details on that here. You can go to bit.ly slash dash join. That link will be in the show notes, bit.ly slash dash join, all lowercase. And you can check out all the bonuses, discounts, etc. I am launching some new tiers of the membership. So I really hope to see some of you inside. It's a wonderful community and it's only going to get better. Okay, let me tell you about our guest, Emerson Ryder. So Emerson is actually one of my supervisees and employees at the Gaia Center for Embodied Healing, which is the name of my therapy practice in Nashville, where I have an incredible team working with me. And she's just hilarious. As you'll hear some of in the, the conversation, she was like, so articulate and so like put together but and you still get her humor for sure but like I wish you guys could also see her in our team meetings where she's just cracking us all up just by telling us how she's been recently <laughs> so I think with some more time on the mic which we may have Emerson back for another episode at some point like you'll get to you would get to see all of her beautiful three-dimensionality but you still get a lot of wonderful parts of Emerson in this conversation. And like I said, she's just so well-spoken as you'll hear. So it was really a great conversation. I wanted to have her on because she is a Gen Zer. Year-wise, she could be arguably a cusper of a young millennial, but, or yeah, young millennial or Gen Z, but she identifies pretty well with Gen Z and she's a good intergenerational translator as she often has to do for me. So let me tell you more about Emerson. Emerson Ryder completed her master's in clinical mental health counseling at Austin P University. At the Gaia Center, Emerson works with adults and teens who are navigating neurodivergence, depression, anxiety, trauma, body image, sexual issues, and life transitions. Emerson is passionate about supporting all people to feel included and worthy of healing and cultivating the life they desire. She loves exploring new food joints with her friends, bargain hunting, and watching sitcoms with her partner. If you are interested in working with Emerson, if you're in Tennessee and looking for therapy, you can reach out to us, Emerson at GaiaCenter.co. That's G-A-I-A Center.co. That'll be in the show notes. Also, if you're interested in having her on your podcast or doing a speaking engagement, you can reach out to her there. And if you're interested in coaching and you're outside of Tennessee, we can connect. And if you're clinically appropriate for coaching, then we can work something out for that. All right, let's get into the conversation with Emerson Ryder. Emerson Ryder, I am so excited for this <laughs> conversation. 
I'm so happy to be here. This is literally the most exciting thing probably to happen ever thus far. I mean, ever. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> also, for those of you not watching on video, you should go and check the YouTube or check some of the clips on Instagram because Emerson is serving gender spice today in the best way. I just really appreciate that. <laughs> Love it. Yes. So Tell the people a little bit about like your journey to becoming a the bad bitch therapist that you are. Oh, love it. That's such like a thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm on my journey of being a bad bitch <laughs> therapist. I love this for me. I guess it all kind of started and how I landed here and I think into a therapeutic space. I'm from across the pond. So my family moved around a lot with my dad's job. So I was born and raised abroad in the UK. And then we spent some short time in Shanghai, China. So I like had all of this kind of really awesome worldly privileged experience pretty much before I even entered teenagehood. And so it really started with just a love of embracing culture. I feel like I've always just been curious. I was just such a curious kid and a teenager. I always wanted to ask a lot of questions and know about people and how they were different to me. And just kind of that like student at heart always. I've just always been a big learner, always loved school. And so when it came time to, you know, fast forward, I'm hitting college, I'm hitting the ground running at 18 years old. I'm like, I don't know. People. People was the thing that I thought. So I was like, I can do a lot of stuff with this. But I think in a lot of sense of kind of how some therapists start, it's like, you were the advice giving friend or the the shoulder and the ear. And so I kind of took that as like, okay, I have strong kind of empathetic nature. Let me see what I can do with this. And so I rolled into psychology, realized it was really, really cool. Just so many opportunities of learning and bringing in culture and bringing in background and bringing in experiences have always been pretty a big advocate for mental health and how that kind of manifested throughout some of my family members. And so, yeah, I was like, okay, I want to be a therapist. I don't know how that's going to look or what it could look like or if it will even look, but I rolled with it. And yeah, I went to grad school. I'm a fresh graduate. And now I'm kind of out here just like being this baby bad bitch therapist, figuring it out. <laughs> baby bad bitch say that 87 times. Right? <laughs> Not baby back bitch, baby bad bitch. Baby bad bitch, period. <laughs> and and, and so, you were yeah. someone who went straight through, right? You went straight from high school to college or to undergrad to grad school. And, and I think that part of just who you are as a person and also having had some unique experiences of being in other cultures, I think also gives you sort of that wisdom beyond your years thing, because it's like, you know, it's, it's an interesting experience sometimes being what, sure. 23 years old and and sitting across from a client who might be 15 years older than you and being like, okay, I'm not claiming to share all of your life experience, but like, I think I can help you. Yes, that's been definitely, you know, in grad school, I, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of like personal discovery and, and trying to figure that out because I was on such a young end of my cohort. I remember doing a project and realizing that the like average age for a mental health counselor in the United States is 43. And I was like, 
bitch, I'm so far away from that kind of, I was like, wow. And so it's really been a continued effort and will be to, you know, kind of understand how I'm creating meaning as someone who's just a very traditional sense of a college student and someone who's kind of coming into this role as therapist, kind of as a first career kind of person. I think a lot of folks that I meshed with in my cohort, having that otherworldly experience because of age and marriage and having a family, but, you know, me kind of being like, okay, maybe I haven't done like the age kind of parts, but being super privileged and being able to have gotten out there and explored different culture and just being very extroverted and always seeking to know and get to know others has kind of afforded me something that I carry with me therapeutically. Like you said, having someone maybe totally different in age and life experience and just lifespan period to me and being able to find ways of relating and making myself a human to this person whilst upholding a professional relationship with them as well. Yeah. And, and you're doing a great job at that. I mean, I've seen you build strong relationships with clients who like are parents and dealing with like blended family issues and, you know, Mm -hmm. that ability to, to come in with the humility of like, I'm not claiming to like understand your lived experience because I don't share that, but also, you know, I've got some tools. I've got a lot of empathy. I know how to hold space. Let's get to work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been one of my favorite things I think thus far in like throughout internship and throughout kind of establishing myself is that I say to clients, you know, I'm a massive believer in you're coming here to learn about yourself and, you know, maybe get skills from this professional that's sitting in front of you. But I'm the fellow traveler. Like I tell all the clients, you're on your bus and I may not be the person that's like sitting in your passenger seat or maybe even the first couple of rows, but I'm I'm on your bus because I'm here to learn about you and your life experience and like weave that into my practice, but like also just into my personhood too. So yeah, I also love that metaphor because I'm like, I'm in row five going like, oh my God, there's a pothole there. Watch out. <laughs> we are, we blew a tire, pull over, pull over. And then I'm out there looking, looking at you and you're looking at me and I'm like, shit, I don't know how to change a tire, but we're going to crack open this manual and we'll figure it out. (laughs) We will. Yes. I love that. Before we talk about some Gen Z stuff, is there anything that you want to share about like your clinical interests so far, like the issues or populations that you are finding yourself super passionate about working with just anything that, that you want to share, especially because I think some of that is like people may not always know about certain issues or client, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's, I I feel like you're drawn to some things that are a little off the beaten path. And I wonder if there's anything that you would like want people to know about what you're interested in or any of those issues. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, as I've kind of begun to narrow it down and you're, you know, you're finding more niche stuff, I've really started to feel called (laughs) and, and how we can feel called right with, with young people, with people that are my age, like I've been really having such a great time with 
sitting in the room with Generation Z and talking about that and talking about these unique kind of generational challenges. I love working under the umbrella of neurodivergency, whether you're diagnosed and you know, or you're kind of neurocurious and you kind of want to flesh some stuff out. I see a lot of stuff, a lot of language around neurodivergency in my sessions, which is really cool, kind of how we're fleshing stuff out and kind of making meaning of how we're how we feel different to the world um, or how we're feeling different within family of origin different things like that i love working with women and like kind of women specific issues you know i feel like i'm kind of cusping further and further into the realm of like body positivity slash neutrality slash liberation talking about Mm -hmm. sex shit that's kind of taboo for women to talk about and I'm like nope let's talk about it (laughs) Uh, and all of that fun stuff and I think also LGBT specific issues have always been that ally girly just embedded in the community and so you know really trying to make myself this kind of chamber of space to hold for others that are facing systemic oppression and coming in and kind of you know let's kind of delicately walk around this let's look at what we're what's within your control as someone who's just systemically oppressed and how are we you know kind of working hard to box up what we can't control and leave that shit to the side and really empower and employ our resources and our strengths and yeah that kind of weaves throughout all of my therapeutic kind of interests and niches empowerment it's just a massive thing that i feel like so many folks are missing whether they're not in the right spaces or environments or it, it was never instilled within you to have confidence yeah i'm i'm just really big on who is the authentic self that you're that is calling for you and and how are we working to run that invisible string to them and make it a lot more visible and and get you there. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and I think to segue us into the kind of generational conversation, Mm -hmm. like, this is so fun for me, being the elder millennial and getting to like, you're always teaching me new words. And I'm like, (laughs) literally have to ask, like, can you please explain that to me? Because I don't know how useful it is for me to even attempt to Google this. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll get into some of that. But, but with the empowerment piece, it's like, Oh my gosh, I I find myself sometimes like really being able to have empathy for when I have been frustrated with like mm-hmm. the older generations, like y'all don't understand. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, you know, it's like we think the more life that we live, like we start to understand all the nuances of things. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think my fear, and this is probably just still a vast generalization, but it's like as as much amazing stuff as both millennials and Gen Z have, have done to like call out the bullshit, to call yeah. out the oppression and what's not okay. It's like my fear is that this, a lot of the younger generation is then going to kind of take that as like, well, this is just is what it is. I can't ever be empowered because this is the fucking world we live in. And, and almost like just stay in that sort of victimization. And it's tough because it's like, how do we acknowledge that, especially for folks who are carrying marginalized identities? Like, yeah, that is the freaking reality here. And I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to pretend I can fix that in therapy. Right. So it's like honoring the reality, but also not becoming completely immobilized, paralyzed, disempowered. Right. And that's something that I sometimes fear for for people who are very attached to that narrative. 
yeah, I think that's a really excellent point. And, you know, I, I feel like that's a, it's becoming kind of like a larger topic of conversation. I come from, you know, like throughout my graduate program, I worked in, I worked at my university as like a graduate teaching assistant. So I worked directly with student populations, like freshmen folks, like fresh out of high school, and then some opportunities sprinkled with non-traditional students, and then just a multitude of generations across the university. And that's from the adult side is what I got all the time of like, Emerson, we just don't get it. Like these kids, like they just can't like self-advocate or they can't like they just give up and they kind of like come to me as this like middle kind of person which I always loved and appreciated because I think that's that's a it's a really good moment to kind of bridge that gap and kind of you know not be so scared to kind or like shy away from this conversation you know there's very real parts of here was this massive global pandemic that probably totally shot a lot of shit in the foot for these teens and these younger adults and how they're navigating this world after such a massive crisis. But, you know, like really kind of remembering that I think Gen Z has begun to recognize that they do have resilience in a lot of ways. And I think it's that recognition and reminder to these young people that really want to be heard and seek to have conversations with one another, maybe not generationally and older, but kind of that moment and and how I, how I kind of like explored it with older generations at the university was you know, what would it be like for you to kind of like counseling them, right? It's like, well, what would it be like for you to sit down and like express this to somebody in like a gentle kind of way of like, I wonder this, like, and ask them, like, what do you think? Like, is is that how you feel? And kind of Mm -hmm. taking away from this overgeneralization, because I think Gen Z, they get hot about that. They're like, well, these boomers just tell us that we're just whatever. (laughs) And they're very, you know, they're very quick sometimes, quick-lipped. And yeah, I just, it's really an interesting conversation. And and what I explored with my students as well of like, you know, I was like, they see you guys as kids or teenagers and you're just kind of like the grumpy teen in the corner and you don't, you just want to give up and you're just glued to your phone. And it's like, no, like, how are you like, how are you kind of shutting down some of those generalizations and showing that like, Actually, there's like a ton of vicarious big T and little t trauma Mm. I've experienced at the age that I am and how, yeah, maybe some days I wake up and I'm like, kind of fuck this shit. Like, I don't really like there's no hope here, but those fostering those little moments. I talk a lot about this in session of like, bestie, just like, how are you fostering your own happiness? Like, how are you holding, you know, all of these, you're, you're holding all of these really big things that are happening and, and just trying to be a young person in this world that looks incredibly different to your parents and incredibly different to your grandparents and kind of showing up with like, you know, you have that fight in you and that's good because we need that fight in you. But also how are you showing up softer with the older generational people too and explaining like, I don't, I don't really identify with this kind of like slumped down. I'm just lazy or I'm not doing anything. Like this is who I am. And like, this is how I believe. And this is what I'm trying to do to exist in this world as a young person and, and make meaning of it. Mm, So well said. And I think like, 
it's 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 being able to hold both right it's always the yes. dialectic of mm-hmm. like yeah this world is a wild world to live in now and there's a lot about it that we either can't change because we've already you know crossed the turning point like with some of the climate issues oh you know not that we give up but it's just like it's never going to be what it was 20 30 years ago and we can also hold people accountable we can hold mm-hmm. our politicians accountable we can do all of that and also, meanwhile, what are you doing to foster your own happiness, right? It's not saying yep. like, you know, well, you're the just the rugged individualism, like find it on your own. It's like both and. Yes. And I think that's what I see, you know, a lot through kind of social media. And I think I have a younger sister who's almost 18. And so even, you know, I'm 24 and she's 18. And sometimes I see these like differences even between us and I'm like, oh wait, we're in the same generation. Like I'm, I'm, I kind of cusp on that. I'm a 99 baby. So some, to some Gen Z people, I'm this millennial, but then to most of the millennials, I'm the Gen Zer. So I feel like I'm like, I'm the redheaded stepchild quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) And so it is that kind of, yeah, it's, it's that part of like, you know, you, you've had this, you've had this resiliency or, you know, you're, your, this generation is just so different. Gen Z is incredibly, incredibly resourced in ways that older generations are not when it comes to information sharing and gathering. You know, the Gen Z are the digital natives instead of the millennials that were kind of rolling with technology. You know, most Gen Zers have a phone in their hand, like 12 years old, 13 years old, and you know, every inch of the internet. And so it's really kind of my position with Gen Z clients of that reminder of you are so incredibly resourced. Mm. Use it, use, use all of that stuff that you want in order to live authentically, find it and take breaks off social media, get off social media sometimes because you're just, you're in that spiral bestie and it's a lot. And so, you know, taking breaks and kind of, you know, encouraging a little bit of an unplug and just how are you getting out and and living your truth? Mm, amen. Okay. Yeah. So now the, now the fun part Um, getting into some of the terms that some listeners might be like, you know, might identify more as Gen Z and they might be like, yeah, all of these are obvious to me, but a lot of people listening, some of these terms will be new. So I can think of, I'll start us off with one and then you may have some in front of you too. But one term you taught me recently was rotting. (laughs) (laughs) the the bed rot tell the people what it means to be rotting (laughs) I love rotting so much me and my friends we kind of use rotting or carcassing if it's like an extra spicy kind of day right but I love using rotting I rotting is essentially like I'm horizontal in my bed on my couch I'm vegging it's kind of like the newer version of vegging I think you're kind of vegging out you're not doing anything social you're not doing anything that you don't want to do you're just having your horizontal time chilling out it's really funny how we turn something like vegging and turn it to rotting as if we're rotting away right that's the beauty, I think, of this generational language is this kind of how are we making it kind of morbid and funny? Yeah, there's this dark humor. And like, yes. it's so funny because that with that one term, it's like I, I noticed like two sides in, in me on one side. I'm like, 
yeah, oh my gosh, we need deep rest. Like we need to restore yes. so much now more than ever. So why not take a rotting day and just exist mm-hmm. in the bed? And then there's the other part of me. Some people might say it's internalized capitalism. I say it's also just like a, I'm, I'm an achiever. I'm a doer. I'm like, like mm-hmm. to be busy. And I'm just like, what we are wasting our lives like we are not rotting we are living so it's just funny (laughs) noticing those dichotomies (laughs) yes and I love I feel like I I say rotting a lot with I use rotting a lot with my neurodivergent clients who and we and kind of like taking both of those things of what you were saying with like bestie you had a week of overstimulation in order to kind of reset yourself and get in that vegetative kind of like state so that you can pick back up go rot like go rot for the weekend and you know I tell them like rotting is healthy we do we rot for like the one day and then the next day you know we we're not ratting and rotting for like the whole week because (laughs) that kind of sucks right too full on depression (laughs) yes and so we're not like and that's the other you know that's how easy I think the terminology kind of rolls because it's like you know I would say to a client like we're not rotting for the week because then we're coming back into a depression era and we don't want that and so like the language it kind of flows a little bit too easily sometimes makes it it really fun. I love it. Okay. What else do we need to learn? Ooh, I feel, I was laughing so hard the other day about the, about the meadow, our beautiful new room, the meadow. And I said in the group chat, Val said four plus four equals eight. (laughs) And Valerie was like, A-T-E, right? Yes. Like I'm (laughs) just eight. And so there's that part as well of like, you just ate that up. That means like, you just did so great. Or like, you slayed that. It's like, yes, it's like giving praise. I love the kind of clients that use era. They're like, which is very Taylor Swift kind of coded mm-hmm. as well of, yeah, Emerson, like, I'm just in this kind of like depression era this week. Okay, what what does depression era mean? And what does that look like for you? Or the beginning kind of sessions with a new client and you know we're building rapport but for them they're sharing with me their family lore l-o-r-e they're like this is yeah. the lore of my family <laughs> and I'm like yes tell me the lore <laughs> um <laughs> and just other that. funny phrases they'll you know sometimes in sessions it's like I think the other day we were talking we were kind of doing some parts work stuff and one of them was like this is giving my inner critic. <laughs> and like they, <laughs> they were talking about like be using a lot of negative self-talk and they were like, this is giving my inner critic. And I was like, yeah, it is. And so <sighs> we just get to incorporate this language, which feels really funny and special. And I think, you know, a lot of times with the kind of Gen Z slang, what I love and appreciate about you and like my other millennial folks, you guys aren't like these dumb kids, like, what are you saying? <laughs> like you you seek to know, which I think is really important. Just because even historically, you know, like we've we've moved a lot into this like really different era of language and how important language is and how we use it. And I think you know, it would be, it's always important for me to acknowledge as I'm kind of sharing about the 
language is that much like other things, uh, many other things within popular culture, like this stems from the black community, like this, mm-hmm. like Gen Z language mm-hmm. is not was mm-hmm. never just Gen Z language like this stemmed from AAVE, African American mm-hmm. vernacular English. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a very cultural piece to this language that I think is so important as well, in the recognition of you know, we get to use slay and period and right. sis and mama. And like, it, it is a part of my language 100%. But that holding that part of where where was this rooted? And where does it come from? And I think Gen Z is doing well to, you know, kind of reckon that like, maybe this language was never mine to begin with. And I've adopted mm-hmm. this. And so as I, I've kind of made that more of my, here, I'm sharing with you these funny quips, but also being, you know, cognizant of like, this is where it came from. I didn't make up these fun, funny little words and neither did these TikTokers. We got yeah. these from other people that paved that way first. Yeah. Oh, thank you for bringing that into the conversation. And yeah. and to me, it's like, that's the beauty of melting pot culture is that yeah. we do get to be like, oh my gosh, the way you said that just like resonated so much with me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm integrating that into my lexicon. And like, yeah, it's if give credit where credit is due if it's something where we know that this didn't originate with me or whatever. And and that's particularly relevant when it comes to monetizing any of it, right? Like I remember when years ago, the white co-authors of the Thug Kitchen cookbook Mm. were finally kind of like called out like, "Mm, what, what? So they uh, pushed back initially, but then they rebranded something like bad manners. But, but yeah, so it's like, if you're monetizing it, figure Mm -hmm. out either, either don't do that. Right. Or just figure out a way to do it ethically, you know, reparations or whatever, but otherwise like let's celebrate the melting pot of this lexicon and, and that it just gives us, I I'm obsessed with language and I feel like, yes, same just the, the certain words, they just bring such a tone, such a connection mm-hmm. point. And that's what I hear when I hear you like kind of sharing some of this language with your clients. Yes. It's so beautiful. Cause I think even, you know, and I think my first kind of like understanding of using language to which my parents were like, Huh? My parents are in their 50s. So they're like the Gen Xers and kind of like, what what is she saying? When she just came home one day and she was saying <laughs> stuff. And, and it really was my my understanding of like I used to watch a lot of like RuPaul's drag race. And so mm. just like just like queer and LGBT people that were also like pioneering this language and making popular into mainstream culture of saying period and of saying this and yes, queen and, you know, all of that stuff. And I was just like enamored by this. I was like, Oh my God, like this language and the confidence and everything, it just is everything. And so, yeah, I love language and I love how I've been able to utilize that in the therapeutic space because that allows me to be the authentic counselor in the room. I always say to clients, like, I'm not, I'm not this like stuffy, like I'm young and I'm fun and I'm silly and how we utilize this language helps break down some of these walls, which I feel like a lot of Gen Z clients really want they kind of want someone who's kind of like them in a in a little bit of a way but maybe one of I have a few that are like well you know more than me about like the stuff and I'm like 
okay, well, you know, maybe, <laughs> right? You know, I did go to school and I hold that part of myself, but that other part of like, it's the humanity piece in here. I am you. I'm in ways I am your peer in that you can come and sit here and we can use this language to kind of empower and chop it up. But also we're kind of breaking down some of these barriers and this language is helping us move into the spaces of therapy that are also difficult talking about the hard stuff bringing up trauma hitting on the points of I'm doing this behavior over and over again I'm so sick of me being in this era or it's giving mm-hmm. this it's giving that and it's like yeah it I is my bullshit Yes, I'm that. I'm just bullshitting. I'm doing this. And it's like, okay, this is giving not your authentic self. Where should we move to? Where mm-hmm. should we move to? And it's been so awesome to do that with Gen Z clients. And it's been even, and then on the flip side of that, it's been really cool to bring that into sessions with some of my older millennial clients where a couple of times that I've been like, hey girl, or like, yes. Or I'll say like, you're slaying. And, you know, I kind of see the eyebrow <laughs> because they're kind of like, who is this my therapist? Like saying this quirky little thing to me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and it's giving and and it's giving, it, it's giving me showing up here being myself because I want you to be able to do that too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, all the snacks. <laughs> so good. Is there anything else that you want to touch on just in terms of, you know, speaking for an entire generation of humans (laughs) or (laughs) the spokesperson? I'm like, hello, everyone. I think, you know, I think one of the most special things about Gen Z is that, you know, just just how people have reacted to Gen Z has been so interesting. You know, I was saying that, like, they're incredible, you know, we're an incredibly resourced and and self-aware generation. And I think it's really awesome to see young people moving in a fashion of, I actually really care about how I want the world that I live in to look like. I really, I really care about trying so badly to turn around this global crisis. I really care so deeply about you know, imploring myself more into environmentalism. I really care about dismantling systemic oppression that has bled through generations of my family and people that I love and care about and affects me. They're they're the foot soldiers. The the Gen Zers are the foot soldiers. They're the ones in the front lines. And, you know, I, it's really exciting to see young people want to change the world and make real efforts to wanting to do it. And so, you know, for any Gen Zers listening or, you know, however or wherever this ends up, it's like, we've, we got this, you know, like this world has, it's really tricky and dark moments, but we can pull away from some of that. Sometimes this weight that's been carried over and over, we can set that on the shelf and find joy. And we can continue trying, trying things for ourselves and trying in community to keep amplifying voices to make real change, and hopefully do it and and see some of this hard work come forward and to be proud of repping this generation of foot soldiers and activists and people who really give a shit about the future of our world and hopefully help 
save it. Mm-hmm. So well said. Drop the mic. Thank yeah, you yeah. so much. <laughs> if any of you are listening are fortunate enough to live in Tennessee, um, Emerson could be your therapist and yes. she's wonderful. <laughs> Clearly. Is there anything you want to share with people about like connecting with you on the interwebs or any parting words? Sure. I'm kind of that private social media girly, yeah, but definitely yeah. like Valerie said, if you're interested in potentially being a client, like totally feel free to reach out. I'm not opposed to like some speaking things. This was actually way Heck fun. Yeah. So if someone sees this ever and is like, she sounds kind of interesting, totally feel free to reach out. Any of my like Gaia stuff for contact would be amazing. And I think just parting words. Thank you so much for having me on. This is so cool. I like literally feel like a influencer girly. (laughs) I get to cosplay it for a day. Um, But yeah, this is just so, so fun. And yeah, just happy to be a part of it. Amazing. Your contact info will be in the show notes. So if anyone is curious about that, what's up Emerson on your podcast, holler. (laughs) And thank you so much. Thank you. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating to help other people find this podcast. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same with dots between the words. Also, make sure to sign up for my weekly tough love notes, where I bring even more vulnerability and strategies to plug into your day-to-day. Look for that at badbitchtherapist.co. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and slay the hell out of this week.